When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. It is about as far as you can get from NHL hockey in either direction. You have about a month and a half that we've gone away from the cup finals and you have about a month and a half until meaningful hockey, really closer to two months until meaningful hockey gets played again in the NHL. So we're deep into off season at this point, but look, we figured it was a good time to, to get our bearings a little bit heading into next season. I don't think we'll get into too many serious conversations, deep diving expectations or anything, but you know, you got to have a feeling for what's to come in the NHL, what's to come for the Avs and otherwise. I wanted to start this conversation with this, AJ. Over the last two years, we've seen a significant uptick in goals in the NHL and offensive production in general. Is this sustainable? Can we start to expect the NHL to produce like this heading into another season and going forward? Or will we see the revenge of goalies and defense? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, everything is cyclical. Um, so there will be a point in time, probably not too far away, where some of these scoring numbers do start to come down a little bit. Um but I, I think I think the scoring environment it's it's a little in the extreme right now. Like it's closer to the '80s than the '90s, you know. But it's really not. Uh, I really don't think it's like a major. Like it's not so far removed from the norms. What we were what we were going through, like when Jamie Ben won the Art Ross and stuff, yeah, like that was way too far in the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the extreme in the in a low scoring environment where we were looking at even being a point per game player was a serious accomplishment. Yeah. We looked at we looked at point per game players the way that we now look at hundred point players. Yeah, or used to look at hundred point players. Turn it um, hundred and fifteen really fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like. There is, uh, the, there is something to be said for the scoring environment being a little out of whack right now. Just in that, like you're, you're like, look, when you have like thirteen hundred point scores or something, yeah, like it's, it's gotten to be a bit much. Uh, where you're, where you're, okay, like who, do, oh, you've got a hundred point score, yeah, who doesn't, you know? <laughs> um, but it's, I, I, so I do think that the, it, it the league is in for a smaller. Uh, a small correction there, but you also look at the environment where there's more emphasis on skill yeah. and less on size than maybe there ever has been in the NHL. And I think the Kale McCars, Adam Fox's Quinn Hughes of the world are driving a lot of this because offensive defensemen are more in vogue than ever. You have, you have guys that are, you you have you have teams that are actively seeking puck skill more than yeah more than trying to go out and find maulers on the back end and i think that that 
will contribute to, you know, guys that don't play um, necessarily like elite defense in their own zone. Uh, and I think that that will play some kind of role in the scoring continuing to be up where that, yeah, that, that trade-off. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that that trade off is something that everybody that teams are increasingly willing to um, to to live with because offense is offense is pretty important and so you know obviously so is defense but it is it, it is an environment where you know we talk about oh, during the season all the time it's a three goal league you know first to three often wins in the NHL and um. We just came off of a season where multi-goal comebacks were yeah. way All too common. Too commonplace, yeah. Two goals so never felt less safe. Right, and is the is the response to more multi-goal leads being blown to increase the prevention or of of goals and try and change it to defense, or is the response trying to get a three-goal lead instead? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd like to be ahead four-one and not three-one going into a third period, but still, you know, I I think that some of I think some of that is still uh, uh, going to play a factor in in the numbers being in the neighborhood of where they are. But I do expect like a maybe Time. a small maybe McDavid a small doesn't drop put up one hundred and fifty, only one hundred and thirty next season. <laughs> Yeah, like where your your top five scores are in like more of the 110 point range. Sure. You know, where and and you only have, you know, let's say five to eight hundred point scores, like a small dip here. Not not saying that it's going to, you know, it's it's going to be a collapse of offense or anything, because I think that that would surprise me. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be shocked to see it go back to anywhere near the nineties. And you mentioned the Jamie Ben era, what half a decade ago, I guess it's more than that now, but anyway, uh, yeah. the other side of this, and, and I know you've talked about this a lot recently where the statistics point towards the impact of offensive players, or at least those that drive offense being more impactful than, than defensive players. And it, it kind of has led me to this idea of we sort of need to change what we understand as a, as a defensive player, where an effective defensive player is one that forces the change of possession of the puck it, more so than a player who blocks a lot of shots or is physical mm-hmm. in the, in the corners and like obviously take that with a grain of salt turnover statistics in the NHL are borderline meaningless because of how they're tracked but uh yeah i think between rink bias and everything else anybody that tries to use giveaways and takeaways as a meaningful stat is wasting their time that is a it's it's pl- it's plus minus i mean it's it's total just ignore it it doesn't mean anything i agree but the concept of defensive players recouping the puck getting the play going the right direction mm-hmm. you can kind of lump it in with driving play but often i, I take a look at logan o'connor on a penalty kill some of the re- reasons he's so successful and surprisingly productive on the penalty kill is because of his ability to take the puck away from the other team not just to prevent them from scoring yeah and what you're what what you're getting into there is uh, being an effective PK guy, specifically speaking to this situation and Logan O'Connor. Um, part of what makes him effective is not just that he wins the puck, but that he takes it out of his zone and puts it in the other zone yeah. and kills time there. And even, even if you're, uh, even if you're at even strength and that's what you're doing, when you're talking about being a depth guy, being a good defensive player, that's what you want. When um, when you mention guys that block a lot of shots, if you have to block a shot, you have failed at your first tenant of defense, which is to get the puck back. Yeah. Allowing shots means that you have failed in some regard in that aspect. You haven't taken the puck from them. They are taking a shot. Now, blocking a shot is better than not blocking a shot most of the time. 
um, you know, every time that there's a guy that that goes to block a shot and it like caroms off his skate and goes in, you're like, just get out of the way, let the goalie do his job. But then we get mad at guys for not blocking shots. So, you know, <laughs> you can't win in the world. But I, I do think it is an interesting like philosophical conversation of what is an effective defensive player. And I think Logan O'Connor is a really good example of this because he has turned himself into one of the better depth wings in the NHL on the defensive side of the puck where very little bad happens when he's out there. Um, and, and part of that is his personal ability to be able to win pucks and his speed stresses defenses. And anybody that does any kind of a pre-scout will know if you're a defenseman, you cannot try and hold the blue line against Logan O'Connor because that guy will get a breakaway that will turn into a defensive zone faceoff. So, you know, you can't... <laughs> a little bit of a a compliment sandwich there yes exactly (laughs) uh it's a it you know like you know you know how that's going to go but you you they lose that offensive possession yeah and that's what makes that that's what makes loc so good at what he does is he wins pucks before they often have chances uh to do anything with it and i think that's what makes the abs kind of mixture of things as as good as it is is because they do value the skating uh, uh of of guys to such a level that it's not just that they take a puck away it's that they can turn it into offense against other teams as quickly sure. as they can and that's that's kind of for me that's that's colorado's secret sauce that's what separates them from other good defensive teams is the way that they get into transition and we know that in transition, defending in transition is very hard. You have maybe three seconds to sort out your entire defense. If you're lucky, three seconds to sort out your entire defense coming down the ice. Everybody needs to be able to, all five guys need to be able to pick up a, a, a guy going down the ice and figure out where they need to be going. It's really hard to do. It's why transition scoring is higher than end zone scoring. And Colorado does that really well. And it starts with guys that play quality defense that you're taught, like you're talking about guys that win pucks. Well, and, and you look at it on your back end. obviously you mentioned the skating, but particularly with the abs defensemen, it's their ability to break the puck out via pass as well. You look at their top four and all four of them can do it both with their feet and with their vision and passing. And mm-hmm. it's why the abs have become such a dominant possession team over the last handful of years when they're able to do it multiple ways, do it quickly and do it constantly. That is go the right direction with the puck. It just buries teams. It does. Um, And I think that's why you saw why Lars Eller was such an awkward fit in Colorado. And I like ultimately the, the Lars Eller experiment failed, but also it's always going to annoy me that we talk about it in those terms because Everything around him was so messed up that he never really got a chance to do the job he was brought in to do. It, the end of the regular but season yeah. was really fine. Like, yeah, he would, it was working more or less. But then obviously the playoffs happened and he was playing 2C and that was just never going to work. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it definitely got off the off the rails there. Uh, it was a it was a bummer. Um, that it did not go that way um yeah but also i think that experience um just because we're in this room and we're kind of in a freewheeling show today i think i think that that experience with lars eller was also very instructive for the abs because i think that they looked at okay we got a defense first guy uh and in kind of our 3c and we had a really hard time generating offense so what do they what do they go out and get what do they have on opening night this year uh, two dudes that can play offense and fly. <laughs> well, it's very, very likely that they have Ross Colton as their three C. Sure. Who any anybody that's familiar with our show and anybody that's ever looked at a player card on on the internet will tell you that Ross Ross Colton is a play driver, not a play preventer. And so they went they went with the hey we want we're looking for depth scoring. Well, we're gonna go get a guy that drives the hell out of play. And- with Colton specifically, it's not just driving the play. Arguably the most efficient middle six goal scorer in the league as far as like 
chances to goals. And certainly one of them. It's it's a direct answer to a middle six that completely forgot how to score goals when the Avs needed it most. Yeah, and uh, it was a middle six that got. I, I mean, I we were talking. We've talked yeah. about this a There's lot context, over the summer, but. You know, a middle six that got that that got exposed because a lot of those guys were playing up. You know, you mentioned Lars Eller as a two C. Yeah. JT Comfer has never been a second liner in his life, and owes maybe a million or two, maybe maybe a million five, uh, to to Miko Rantanen for helping yeah. boost the regular season numbers to the to the point where he got paid a pretty hefty price. Um, so I I think that. Uh, those guys, you look at last year and you have, you see a lot of guys that were miscast by the end yeah. of the season. You know, Dennis Malgan is in your top six. Like, well, we need offense. So we're playing Dennis Malgan. And you're looking at like Dennis Malgan, not even in the NHL anymore. Like that guy's gone. Yep. Um. So, and, and he was a, he was a really fringe guy anyway, who had a couple of good, you know, a good month yeah, or two with the abs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, and but when when push came to shove, you saw those you saw the limitations in a hurry, and so that's where that's where I think the Avs obviously were were the the problem is is that they're not deep that they don't have you know you if they have two top six injuries they're in real trouble, but I, I say this a lot how many teams can truly sustain those yeah. types of injuries to their best players and continue and continue and just be like, Oh, it's fine. You know, the, like the Seattle's of the world are more rare where they aren't as reliant on those guys that they are a true by committee kind of club. The, I, I think the reality of those teams are, well, their top six, isn't that good. Yeah. And you know, and so just using the Seattle example, uh, Jared McCann scoring 40 goals feels like unlikely, Yep. He'll probably be a. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying he's going to be a twenty-five-ish goal guy again. Uh, maybe, 30, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. You know, yeah, he could total. I could totally see a thirty. It's wouldn't be surprising. Uh, you know, and Burakovsky, Everlay, um, Bjorkstrand, like those. They've got good goal scorers there, but it really helped them a lot that they had a guy absolutely go off. Yep. And I one of the nice things about building by committee like that is. Every year, they could see a different guy do that, and so it doesn't really matter. If Jared McCann doesn't do it this year, maybe it's Berkey that does it. You know, Maybe yep. it's Bjorkstrand that does it. They're always going to have those options. Of course, if none of them do, they probably miss the playoffs. Yeah, it, that's, that's the reality of that knife's edge, where you don't have those high-end talents that you can rely on a year in, year out to carry you. Um, Definitely. I am going to be relying on factor meal kits to carry me through the back half of this week because the wife's going on vacation. So I'm going to be here. If you oh, don't God. know this about me, I can't cook. So the last, the last time she went on vacation, you fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to got to hold it together this time. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But factor <laughs> will help with that because I can make myself meals in just two minutes with factors meal kit they have all sorts of amazing stuff ranging from filet mignons to i look i'm a meat eater i won't lie to you but if you're into vegetarian vegan options they have stuff like that for you as well uh again just two minutes you can pop it in the microwave you can have it ready to go perfect for lunch if you ask me and like i know like there's a lot of microwave meals that get a bad rap I was not expecting a lot out of Factor, given that it was microwave meals, and it really surprised me how good everything tasted from Factor. Like, it was actual, like, having a real proper meal. So I really got to give them a lot of credit for making tasty, quality stuff. Uh, again, super easy to use. Tons of different options for, for meals all over the place. If you're on a diet or something like that, they, of course, have calorie-conscious options, too. You just got to go check them out. Get whatever it is that suits your fancy. They're America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and can help fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track to reaching whatever it is that your goals might be. Head to factormeals.com slash dnvrabs50 today. You can also use the code dnvrabs50 to get 50% off. Again, that is factormeals.com slash dnvrabs50 or use the dnvrabs50 code 
to get 50% off when you order Factor today. Uh, also brought to you by the folks over at Bet365. You can go get your gambling on with them when you head over to Bet365 right now and you deposit $10 with the code DNVR365 and then make a $1 bet. You get $200 in free bets to play with. So get over there. Use the DNVR365 code. Make whatever uh, bet you feel is a good one, whatever suits your fancy at Bet365, which they have everything. I think I've said this before. Personally, I'm in love with their esports betting. It's really, really good. They have lots of options that you can bet on uh, as far as esports are concerned. You can bet on uh, all sorts of cool stuff, though, if you go over with Bet365, particularly one of the things they do best is their in-game bet boosts. No matter what game is going on, they'll have a little boost bet for you ready to go that you can just click on. You don't have to think about it too much. You'll get some good odds. You can fire it off and enjoy whatever sport it is you're watching. I'm actually super excited. I've been watching some like Olympic qualifier sports things lately. Can't wait to be able to bet on the Olympics with Bet365. Still a ways off. You still got a year to go, but you know, it'll be a fun time. Either way, I guess there's still, you can still bet is what the, the semifinals are left for women's world cup. So you can still get in some betting action on that. Uh, even if America's not in, but you know, it works, uh, head over to bet three, six, five. You can download their app today. If you haven't already, be sure to use the DNVR three, six, five code. When you do get the parlay bonuses, get all of the good stuff from them, no matter where you go. Uh, yeah, they're dope. Of course, when you use the DMVR365 code at Bet365, you must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. It's all right. Let me let me ask you this, AJ. Do it. Who is going to have a better season? I don't need specifics. Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr? (laughs) Kale McCarr. Okay. The cover athlete himself. He's going to, he's going to have his first fully healthy season. He's going to score a hundred points. He's going to win another Norris and maybe another Conn Smythe. That's a that's a tall ask. I like it. I I think McKinnon's getting the con Smythe though. Going that way with it. <laughs> uh, so let me let me ask you this. Yeah. What if that does happen? Like, what if McCarr does win the Norris? He has a hundred point season, and then Nate McKinnon has a thirty five point postseason and wins the con Smythe. Who has the better year? What did McKinnon do in the regular season? Let's let's just assume like a like a ninety five point hundred plus yeah. regular season, where it's a it's a pretty standard like pushes forty goals, pushes I don't know like sixty seventy assists somewhere in there. I mean it's it's got to be McCarr, right? Like just because it's harder to have a hundred point season yeah. as a defenseman. Which, which like funnily enough, it would be two years in a row the defenseman has a hundred point yeah. season, but. We haven't seen almost one of three. Those in Sorry, like, Roman Yossi. <laughs> Twenty. It, it's been like twenty-five years since that's happened. Yeah. Meanwhile, players were forwards were having hundred-point seasons in the middle of the dead puck era. So, and I would I would lean McCarr, but it might be like future context would have to tell if we get to twenty thirty and there's a defenseman having a hundred-point season every year. Who knows? Maybe we look back and be like, it actually wasn't that impressive. It was just the start <laughs> of a different life. No, I'm. I mean, I just think that's interesting. Like, if if McKinnon goes on, because a, a 35 points in the postseason would be pretty outrageous. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How many games do they play in that postseason? I guess. Um, let's say 23 or 24. Yeah, then 35 is a lot. <laughs> I mean, this last one, McCarr had 29 and 20, I think, so. Which is you know. a lot. <laughs> yeah, he would have been, like, right in that 35 range had they just lost a few more games. Yep. It, maybe he could have pushed 40 if a few of those losses had come against Edmonton. 
Yeah, no kidding. That was a high score. It was such a high scoring series. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Might need a little bit of help in that department to get to 35 and 20 something. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit in the West. Yeah. It, it, is the West going to be that high scoring again? I, I, I think we've talked about at least the Central Division. You kind of have Ottinger, who didn't look amazing in the playoffs last year. You have Hellebuck for now, but how long is he going to stay in division? And then you kind of have Georgiev and a bunch of guys as the the goaltenders in the rest of the league. You look at the defenses, you know, you're you're doing better than maybe an Edmonton or something like that. But particularly when you look at teams like Chicago and Arizona, who their competitive level should be up. They shouldn't be free outs like they kind of were last season. Mm -hmm. Is the central going to be a scoring bonanza or will teams figure out ways to lock it down? I think the central, I think when you look at the central, the, the really good offensive teams, Colorado and Dallas for sure. Uh, and then after that, is there another good one? Because Winnipeg and St. Louis, I think, are going to be more middle of the road. I think Arizona will go from bad to probably middle of the road. Uh, and then I think Nashville and Chicago are going to struggle. And Minnesota hasn't been a good offensive team in a, in most it, of its I, I think the top of Minnesota is pretty decent. It's... Beyond I, that. Sure, but they, I mean, they were, they didn't even score 250 goals as a team last season. Sure. Um, have they taken any meaningful steps forward? Like, you know, I know, I know Kaprizov had some injury issues at the end of the year, but that's also when they were scoring pretty well. You know, Matt Boldy went crazy during that time frame. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just don't know that the Central has very many good offensive teams. Um, and some of that might be that they have to play each other and the goaltending within the division is pretty solid. But I just think more of it is there are two really strong offensive teams in Dallas uh, and Colorado. And then every, everybody else has a lot of proving it to do. And, uh, you know, some, some of that I think it will also be coaching. You know, I'd, of course, I, I don't I don't think you're ever going to confuse a Rick bonus team with a high flying team. <laughs> um, St. Louis is St. Louis is basically only strength on its roster is its top nine, yeah. and you know that that's that group gets a year older. They're taking some chances uh, with Kapanen and Verana this year. If those guys don't pan out, they're probably not any good. Yeah, uh, Kev, Kevin Hayes is maybe their one C. It's like but, Kevin Hayes, Braden Shen, and Robert Thomas. Like, which guy is the like? <laughs> Is there a true one C there? Are they all just two C's going down the lineup? Yep. Like, if, you know, just one of them move the, you know, is Shen playing more on, on the wing? Like, how does how does that, uh, uh, like, how do how do the Blues can can configure themselves? Um, I think they could be a good offensive team. They're the team that I like the most to be a good one. Um, I liked the PLD trade for the Jets, but I don't think that the Jets are that caliber i don't yeah. think they're going to be a top 10 offensive team without some major you know cole unless, perfetti has a 90 yeah, point unless season cole perfetti's like, super dope <laughs> yeah yeah or gabe, like gabe velarde ends up being just as good as pld was like that some things need to happen for the jets to get to that level is what i'm saying so and that's going into it i guess i'm just not sold that outside of those two teams there is a a good offensive team like there, okay. there are some that are the, I, I, like I would say good, and then I would say pretty solid, and then I would say bad. So, with that in mind, I think for me the expectation is the Central Division should be better than the Pacific Division on the whole come next season. Sure, if you want to have Vegas at the top, whatever, fine. If you think Seattle have a good year, fine. But I look at the divisions as a whole. I think we probably both agree that Arizona and Chicago took steps in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the bottom of the center of the Pacific with San Jose Anaheim, and you just don't really know what you're going to get out of those organizations right now. 
are we back to Thunderdome? Yeah. The central, the place to be. Um, I don't think so. I mean, you look at you look at the Pacific Division, and remember going into last year, a lot of us were really like, when you go if you go watch rewatch our preseason prediction, we were all over the place on the Pacific Division. We weren't entirely sure how to feel about that team or, or that division at all, because the teams were just kind of a big muddled mess. Outside of San Jose and Anaheim at the bottom, has that changed? Do you feel, do you truly, do you feel confident? How many of those, I'll ask it this way. How many of those teams do you feel confident they are definitely making the postseason this year? Two. Which ones? Vegas and Edmonton. Are you really that confident in Vegas with rolling the dice with Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson in net? I know we had this exact conversation last year. Am I really? Am I confident that they will make the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Am I, I agree with you on those two anywhere? teams? No. I am conf- I, I agree with you on those two teams and just those two teams, uh, because between uh, between L.A., Seattle, Calgary, and Vancouver, I am open to all range of possibilities here. Sure. We saw last year Calgary was the big favorite in that division going into the season. Yep. And it did uh, not go well. It was a total disaster, but we have talked a lot on this pod about how we thought that it was primarily a coaching problem. Yep. Um, We'll find out this year. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) We're going to get to see. uh, And and so that uncertainty, I think, opens me up to the idea that Calgary could end up better than both L.A. and Seattle. Yeah. And, And, you know, I do think they are definitely better than Vancouver. And Vancouver is another team. How do you feel about them? Like, what did they did they get much I feel better? A lot similar to how I feel about Nashville with Vancouver. Of like, they're stuck in the middle. They really probably should rebuild, but they like aren't fully committing to it. Would maybe this year they finally sell off enough pieces that they're done with it? But I don't know. I a tough spot. I like the Canucks more than I like the Preds, but I like I, I think I agree with you that I would have them as the same general tier of team. Sure. It it's just so hard to dig yourself out of those situations where you're essentially yeah. staring down the barrel of a failed era. I think Nash, certainly Nashville more so just because again they signed the, we talked about this yesterday but they they went into the offseason tried a lot harder to be good sure and like made some really weird decisions um and if you look at Vancouver they you know Patterson is 24 yeah. Besser's 26 Kuzmenko's 27 Garland Bovillier sure. yeah. like there, a lot of these guys are still in their 20s, and their best defenseman is 23. Yeah. Uh, they they paid a high price to see if what Philip Ronick did in De- uh, Detroit last year was, was real. Sustainable, yeah. Yeah, and went and got my guy Carson Soucy, so obviously they're better. Um, <laughs> but, like, like I don't think that – I don't think Vancouver's staring down the barrel of a failed era unless Pedersen refuses to sign long-term. Sure. Then they definitely are. Um, but I'm, I'm just kind of like, like Vancouver, Vancouver is a team where it's like, if things go really well for them and they get great goaltending, they could totally make the postseason. Otherwise, I think, I think they're going to be hard pressed to in that division. Um, Seattle, I think is a team that is about to meet the regression monster. I agree with that. Uh, I, yeah. Does, does that... I think there's a I'll, I'll put it this way. I think that there is a better chance that Calgary takes their postseason spot than Seattle repeating what they did. It's um an, and then I'm... LA LA I think is a really good hockey team on offense and on defense and then in net they rolled the dice with yep. Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot. And how many teams have we seen roll the dice with Cam Talbot and it'd be not such a great decision at this point? How many how many teams have made the postseason spending two and a half million dollars on goaltending? Must be nice. They it was an it's an interesting decision because it was a pretty robust market this offseason for quality goaltenders. There. Yep. there were guys that they could have gone and gotten. 
And LA is right up against the cap. They are 100K from the cap with their current roster alignment. Now, you know, you can always send a guy down, but even then, their current roster is only a 21 guys. So they are right there against it. And they better be right about that goaltending situation because they rolled the dice that the final year of Victor Arvidsson's contract was more valuable than trying to get a proven goaltender. Do you say so? I and like Victor Arvidsson's a good a good player for sure, but he's thirty years old. He has had a ton of injury issues the last couple of years. <laughs> you know, and last year he played through that really effectively. But you're also talking about like that's like a good top six. But, like he's like a second line guy for you. Is this just a front office that's comfortable with solving it at the deadline though? Obviously they did it last year with Corpusalo and it went okay. I well, this is this is the other thing that I talk about every single deadline. Find me one goaltender that gets acquired at the deadline and goes on a deep run. At the deadline, not a guy that gets acquired in December. At the deadline, because maybe more so than any other position, every year we talk about goaltenders have to adjust when they change locations. Yeah. They have to adjust. They have to adjust to how the team plays in front of them. They've got to get the communication down with their defensemen. They've got to get accustomed to a new goaltending coach and how they want to do things. They've got to get accustomed to the systems in front of them and the kind of shots that they're going to be seeing. They have all these things that they have to adjust, have to adjust to, and the deadline is sometimes. 17 games from the postseason. Yep. That's really hard adjustment to make. And we saw it with Corpus Hall. Corpus Hall was terrible in that Edmonton series. Terrible. He it, like he, at the end of it, it was really bad for sure. He fell apart at the end of the series. Like kind of, kind of like the way that we talk about Philip Grubauer in the Vegas series. He yeah. got worse as the thing went on. Yep. That's a recipe for disaster. You don't want a goalie getting weaker as your series goes on. So it's a big it's a big roll of the dice from the Kings. It's a that's a they're taking a huge chance there. Uh on that note, don't take a huge chance with your daily health routines. Make sure you get AG1 while you're still kick it. I don't know. I don't know where that was going. Uh nice. Check them out. AG1, a fantastic product. Has 75 different vitamins and minerals in it, a bunch of adaptogens, probiotics, all that good stuff. Uh, it's part of your daily routine. Just one scoop of water, uh, one scoop in a cup of water, rather, every day. You can do it in the morning, evening, whenever you feel like it. It works out. Tons of athletes use it as part of their workout routines. Uh, it helps boost your immune system. Tons of great stuff all over the place. So go check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, I know a lot of people that really do love it as part of their their health routines. You can go to drinkag1.com slash avalanche today to order. And when you do, you get a year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs completely for free with your purchase. So jump on it. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 by going to drinkag1.com slash avalanche today. Uh, also, Brought to you by the folks over at Bacchus and Shanker. If you've been hurt by a goaltender or goaltending situation and you're not at fault, you can call 222-2222 today. Uh, but seriously, if you've been in a car accident or if you had an injury at work or if something horrible went wrong and it was not your fault, you can call the two number, go to coloradolaw.net. Bacchus and Shanker will give you a free consultation and if they think you have a case, they will take it on completely for free. You pay nothing until you win your case. They just want to get you what you deserve. So hit up Bacchus and Shanker. Make sure you're getting it. Uh, again, the two number or coloradolaw.net. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients over the 25 years they've been doing this in Colorado. So they're very good at getting you what you deserve. Check them out. Get hooked up. Get what you need. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast as uh, we continue kind of just, you know, roving around the league. AJ, on paper, best team in the league today. Oh, no. <laughs> Carolina? Oh, no. Dallas? I don't think it's Vegas. I feel like there's been a couple times where it's been Carolina and then they just don't really yeah, 
That's why I said on paper. Yeah, totally. Like they just like don't do anything with it. It's like, okay, cool. I think the two teams I really, really, really like right now as currently constructed. Obviously, they've got questions, whatever. We'll see how it goes. Um, But I do really like Carolina, and I really like New Jersey. Sure. Now, obviously, I'm not sold on the net minding in New Jersey. Of course. Like, we'll just have to see how it goes. But I think they've built a super good roster. Uh, and the Hurricanes have been great for years. They're yeah. still great. That does, you know, can they can they get through the hurdles? That's always a question. You always need things to go a certain way. We've talked about their lack of uh, kind of that alpha in a series. You know, that guy that just takes the the series by the reins and gets it done. It's it's a little shocking to me that they haven't had some random guy do it because every single year we see, you know, the Stars won a won a first round series last year. Well, Jason Robertson ghosted. Yep, it's true. <laughs> you know, like it's the weird things happen in small samples like that. And I mean, a little bit cursed for them with the Spetch injury, but yeah, that's gonna be a. I mean. The thing about his injury is the timeline of it. Uh, like, if he's available for the postseason, maybe he's got the fresh legs and, sure. like, you know, he gets 82 games out or, you know, however many games he actually ends up missing. Maybe he gets 65 games Whatever, worth of, yeah. of, of anger and frustration out in the postseason. And he, you know, has a 15-goal year or a 15-goal postseason and leads him to a cup win. Like, I, I think, I think Carolina is great. Um, I think they're going to be less great come opening night because at least one of those defensemen is either getting traded or poached <laughs> off waivers. They can't have eight of them. Uh, and I think that I think that the uh, the Devils are in such a good spot. The Devils, the there's going to be a lot of hype on them this year. Obviously, I'm adding to that. It might be a year early because I tend to think that, yeah. Because, you know, a guy like uh, that they're going to be putting in relying on a lot like a Luke Hughes, it just might be a year early. Like he could have a really good rookie year. Kale McCarr had a really good rookie year. Look what happened to Kale McCarr in year two, though. He got way better. And you could see the same thing with a guy like Luke Luke Hughes, where he really starts, you know, this rookie year. I'm comfortable with the idea that he's about to have a pretty strong rookie season. I'm also comfortable in saying that his year two is going to be better. I think Timo Meyer, though, given an entire offseason. Yeah, should be ready to and, rock. Yeah, and because, again, deadlines, deadline acquisitions, they can be tough. Especially big-ticket guys like that um, have a lot of hit and miss in them. And an entire offseason and then training and whatever, whatever, whatever. Timo Meyer is very, very good. And I think that he, playing alongside Jack Hughes, could have a monster here. I, I do think they feel a good bit like the 2019 avalanche, to be honest with you. Um, uh, particularly you look at that defense for them that did go through a bit of restructuring this off season, losing guys like Severson um, graves as well. Graves, but, yeah. Yeah, it, I don't know if they're quite ready yet, but that doesn't take away from their talent level for sure. And, and like, how does a young team mature? You know, because we yeah. they had their first postseason experience last year. They learned, God, this is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so they like they, they learned that the hard way, but they also won a series their first time out. There was no we're happy it's to true. be here. They went in and they won them a, a series against a pretty good Rangers team. Yep. So, you know, they they're going to be an interesting one uh, to keep an eye on, because I think. We might unfortunately be back in that era where it's the Devils and Avs competing for cups every year. I really like the part where the Red Wings aren't part of this shit at all, though. This is I love that part. Time is a flat circle. Yeah, the Iser plan can take another five years to come to fruition for all I get. Sounds great. But no, I would say I would say those two teams really, really stand out. And then I I do think um I don't know that they're on that level on paper on day one, but I think come December, if the Avalanche are leading the league, I don't feel like it'll be a big surprise. Yeah. It just, they, their best players are among the best players the league has to offer. 
They've got two of the ten best forwards in Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. They've got the best defensemen. They've shit. They've got two of the best ten defensemen in Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. They've got a top ten goaltender in Alexander Georgiev. They've got a true second pairing guy that's that's proven in Sam Gerrard. And Sam Gerrard has owed some good luck after last year. No kidding. Uh, and ta- owed some good luck. Bowen Byram <laughs> owed a lot of good luck. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't want to count Colorado out of this uh, because uh, a healthy avalanche lineup is something that yeah. we never really saw last year. I, even a recent, reasonably healthy lineup. Mm. I, the, the Avs won their division last year with stretches where it was Miko Rantanen by himself, with stretches where it was just Rantanen and McKinnon, with stretches yeah. where it was the, they obviously the Landeskog thing, they never played their entire top six together, but they spent the majority mm. of the season missing at least two top six guys at times three, yep. four, five. They they lost game seven of a first round series, of, of a playoff series. They lost game seven two to one yep. in a game they dominated. Yep. And they lost that two to one while missing uh if you go back and look at that lineup, like there's a yep. decent chunk of it that's just not in the NHL anymore. Yep. Yep. The Brad Hunt played 26 seconds at forward. At forward, which you'll never see at, again. I promise. Dennis Dennis Morgan Dennis Morgan was uh, in yep. your top like top six. Lars Eller is your kind of like your de facto two C. Yeah. Evan Rodriguez played like 23 minutes that night. Like it was insane how beat up that hockey team was uh, in that series. And I know that there are going to be the the bottom line people in the world who are like. Well, none of this matters. Everybody has injury issues. And like, yeah, sure. But there there were some things that happened in that series. They did not lose that series straight up on talent alone. No. Uh, they, a lot of things, a lot of things comically went Seattle's way to get there. And this was still a team, despite all the 400 man games lost, despite all that. It never and it just never got better. You look at two super injured teams in the regular season, Colorado and Vegas, win their division, a- accomplish an extremely rare feat of having more than 400 man games lost and still winning the division. Yep. And and one of them got healthy for the playoffs, and one of them didn't. One of them had the health luck turnaround in the postseason, and one of them didn't. And to and be that's fair, that's how life works, man. Vegas did have goalie injury troubles, to be fair, but Aiden Hill played out of his mind, so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like they, it would have been uh, the Aiden Hill going going off like that would have been like if Evan Rodriguez suddenly had a, you know, a, a was averaging one point two points per game in a during the postseason, right? Like, yeah. it, yeah. it like it, like an absolute crazy pants. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so um, it's um, it, it really like talking about the best teams in the league on paper. The Avalanche aren't 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 on that uh, aren't number number one, but I don't think they're very far off because uh, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this pod is that elite players just are invaluable. So they do so much for your roster that no doubt. Is there a question about Colorado's third line right wing right now? Absolutely. Is there a question about what their third pairing in general is going to be? Totally. hundred percent fair questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Things that they have got to get figured out. Will it matter across an 82-game season if the roster is, for the most part, healthy? No. no. And and here's the thing for me. For the Avs to compete as the number one best team in the regular season, I look at their offseason moves, and I think they need to hit on at least two of them. I don't really count Miles Wood because I think his role is pretty established. He's going to be a third line winger. I don't see a lot of vertical movement for him there. But you look at Druin, Johansson, and Colton. If two of those three guys come into Colorado and are successful in doing what people think they're capable of, doesn't have to be a, you know, Druin doesn't have to have an 80 point season or something, but if he can have a 50 to 60 point year, if. Colton can be the guy he was two years ago, push maybe even a 45-point season with 20 goals. If Johansson can continue to be the guy that 
gives you 55, 60-ish points, maybe more, playing with more talent. You get two of those three things, and I think you're probably throwing the Avs name around as best team in the league. They absolutely cannot be wrong about both Johansson and Colton. One of the centers has to work, yeah. They have to be right. They are spending $8 million on their second and third line centers, which is not like an exorbitant number for the record. It's a pretty normal number, We're but they have to be four, right. But yeah. Right. And it, like, if you look at it, you look at Vegas, that yeah. split, uh, they're spending about $8 million on theirs too, but 6 million of them are William is William Carlson. Yeah, and less than three is Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. It's like two, seven, five, something like that. Yeah. So, um, like, like it's a again, Colorado's spending on their middle six centers, uh, normal. That's P.S. Tomorrow's show, yeah. um, but the but they can't be wrong about both of them. Yeah, Jonathan Duran working out would be great. Uh, it would help, obviously, but it is it is a totally no risk gamble free for roll. them, yeah, for sure. That they can and and like we've talked about this a lot. Wings are not incredibly hard to find in season if they really needed to. Uh, the Avalanche have picks. They've got a couple of prospects that might be of interest to a team. Yeah. Um, they've got they've got some options in terms of uh, being able to being able to solve those problems. It's always harder to solve center problems. Now, if Calgary is a bust this year, you have two of them with Lindholm and Backlund, where you're like, okay, <laughs> sometimes things work that. out. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe like a Mark Shifley at a deadline. You know, yeah. like. There, there could be some help there, but you're talking about big ticket stuff there. Uh, all three of those guys would be pretty big tickety um, and expensive I, I, to get, but they could be they could be very good. Whereas if they need wing help, a Jason Zucker, a Taylor Hall, some you know something like that, a lot like easier like, to dig into one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, but I, I agree with you. Two of the two of those have to be they have to hit. Yep. Uh, and I would I would also say that they really need the. Uh, uh, jump from Bowen Byram. Yeah, I I think that's fair. He you'd love to see him become the team's bona fide number 3. If yeah. only because it makes the conversation with Taze a lot more pliable. Yeah, I mean they've they nearly quadrupled his salary from last year. Yep. If you if you get quadruple the player, you're if you get quadruple the player, the Avs are winning the cup. <laughs> Because yeah. Caleb McCarr and Bode Byram are both about to have 100-point seasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it, I, I do think, it, you know, again, I don't want to dig into every statistic here, but top totally. five team for the Avs or more top ten? Uh, I think right now I would just say top ten because they do have such big question marks. Um, right now you would probably have confidence uh, in – uh, the, there's some safety in some of the other teams that are going to be there. I think Carolina, New Jersey. Um, I want to say Toronto as well, because I don't think that the changes regular season wise I are agree. going to be that big of a deal. So <laughs> I think, I think Toronto is also probably ticketed for another 110 ish point season somewhere in there. Yep. Um, so I think, I think they would be on that list. Uh, I'm comfortable with Dallas being very good. So I'm at four right there. Uh, And then teams, teams again, that in a regular season, I'm very, I'm very comfortable with being good. Uh, Edmonton um, would be on that list. Vegas is probably on that list as well. Like they're, they're going to be, I think they will be better than last year. Like I I don't want to either of the Florida teams, I think are, um, could have really strong seasons, but those both of them have major, major, major issues that they have to it, get sorted out. You do wonder who helps fill the void that Boston has left in the in the East for sure. Yeah, and I think that's where Buffalo lurks. Is Boston has taken at the moment? They've taken so many steps back from last yeah. year's team. Yeah, uh, like who's who's right now? Assuming no Krejci. Uh, and Bergeron is already gone. Like, <laughs> what is their top six even? <laughs> what? Who's their one C on opening night? I don't know. Like, is it Charlie Coyle? Is it Pavel Zaka? Going from Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci to those two guys—that's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ugh. Not good. Not good for them. Yeah, well, and then, like, your third line is a bunch of guys that might be fourth lines on other teams. Because it, it could end up being, you know, A.J. Greer and Trent Frederick and yeah. Morgan Geeky and Patrick Brown, Milan Lucic. Like, all of a sudden, you're looking at that bottom six like, Jake DeBrus is kind of stinky. He had a good year, but is he really a top six guy? Like, I, I, I mean, like, yes, I think, I think so. Uh, you know, he's a twenty-five goal guy, but you're you're going in like the the drop off from David Pasternak to everybody else because yeah. even Brad Marchand had a pretty significant slip last year, and he's not getting any younger. He's thirty-five years old, and so. Yeah, they're like I, I still think that they're probably a playoff team, but they're not going to get absolutely hilariously over the top otherworldly goaltending all season. Yeah. <laughs> and their uh, their forward core is so much worse than last year's. Yeah. And right now their third pairing is Derek Forbort and Kevin Shattenkirk. Yikes. <laughs> Might need some other so, pending with them out there. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I'm in wait-and-see mode on the Bruins. I'm afraid to say that because last year, it was all about the injuries with me, but last year I was like, watch them. They're the team to watch. And then they have the greatest regular season ever. So there's always the, the, there's always the possibility that I'm just an idiot. I mean... You never know. But that's why they play the games. Because crazy stuff happens. Yeah, and, and this is where Buffalo is like lurking. Like that's a really intriguing team that that certainly thinks its defense is going to be better. But like the Kings, they're rolling the dice on a very, very, very shaky goaltending situation with uh what is it? It's Eric Comrie and Uko Pekalukinen and yep. Devin Levi. Yep. They're hoping someone breaks out, basically. Yeah, they're hoping that, that Levi needs absolutely no uh like settling in at all. Yeah. Like easing into the job. <laughs> He's ready for the thing from day one because Comrie and, and uh Uko Pekalukinen have not proven anything I, in the NHL. I, mean, I think Uko Pekalukinen can get you by I don't know about Comrie but I mean he's been terrible in the NHL yeah so uh anyway I we've been going for almost an hour I think we're good on the show today uh a a fun one kind of throwing it back to where we could just talk whatever in the middle of the off season so it's good to have a chat I asked the chat um, who they thought would have the better season between Kale and Nate, and mm-hmm. they pretty much agreed with you guys. Uh, Kale was at 60%, Nate's at 40%. So, pretty de- That's a pretty yeah. decent split. It's not dominated either way. Um, okay. On that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Oh. Can get- Go? Yeah. Krejci retired three hours ago. Oh, well. There you or go. yesterday? Okay. He officially retired, though. I mean, he was leaning that way, and they weren't planning yeah, for it. But... Not a big surprise. Yes. Shout out to the chat for uh, informing me that that official announcement did get made. There you go. I'm in kind of a social media blackout right now, so I'm, uh, you know. Pour out a Mountain anyway. Beach Sour for Krejci's career, then, from Breck Brew. You can get it at your local liquor store. Yeah. Use the Breck Beer Locator online to find it near you. Uh, and then, this Friday, 6 p.m., we're doing a live show down in the bar, so you can come listen live. Come say hi to Megan and I. We'll be hanging out afterward talking hockey with whoever's around. So if you want to come say hi, you want to come listen to a show, DNVR Bar, this Friday. The place to do it, 6 p.m. Uh, come by, but I know we're having like a special Nico Rantanen drink also. So you can come get a cool drink and, and some food and hang out with us. Uh, it should be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it more people to talk hockey with just like AJ and I did on the show. So, uh, anyway, we're going to get out of here for the day. We appreciate all y'all hanging out with us. Uh, we're back tomorrow. All three of us, Megan, AJ, Rudo, uh, we're talking middle sixes going to do a little bit more numerical analysis, looking at value, things like that. Uh, so it should be a, a more organized show for the people who prefer that type of thing. So tune into that one. 
Uh, we appreciate you, and we will talk to you tomorrow.